Okay, here we go. The Pen and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch your radio the dial. The Pen and Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and last go. <laughs> Welcome to the Pen and Mikey Show. Thanks to the masterful engineering techniques of Bill Smith, Smitty Man. We're on the air again for episode 31 this time of the Planet Mikey award-winning podcast heard nationwide on all of these Planet Mikey stations. <laughs> all right, it's on the fucking internet. What do you want from me? You know, what are you going to do? Ben Kitchen is here, and we have a, we've had a, a bunch of very high-profile Big name guests on this broadcast, from rock and roll musicians to uh, Red Sox uh, Hall of Famers to uh, singers and dancers and perverts uh, and radio people. But we're happy tonight to have our old friend, and you don't get to hear him much anymore, but if you watch Twitter at all, you can't miss him. (laughs) John Dennis is here. Dino? Michael! How are you? I'm well. How are you? You know Ben. Of course I know Ben. And of course Ben was one of the good ones, and Billy, of course, and I were uh, uh, homosexual lovers for the better part of my stay at (laughs) WEI. not to talk about that. Thanks very much. Whatever happened to that that picture file? (laughs) Where is that? (laughs) Delete. Uh, Because you can make some serious money. Uh, How you been? I have been very well. Are you playing golf? Yes, a lot of Bad golf. I thought it would get better playing a lot. Mm-hmm. It tended to go the other way. Yeah, too yeah. Much. I got you know what? I have. I'm trying to reduce it, but I have 734 separate swing thoughts in my mind. Wow. I've seen 111 different videos how not to shank the golf ball, and everybody tells me, "Well, if you do this, right." So I stand up there. It's about 15 minutes before swings. It's the death of you thinking too exactly. much. You exactly. Exactly. Can't, can't do that. See, I have one swing thought on every swing. You want to hear what it is? Where's the beer? My baloney has a first name. <laughs> It's OS. Uh, but no, it is, it is dangerous yeah. to think too much. And in baseball, too. Well, it's analysis. Uh, are you beating paralysis. Kathy? Hell no. She's the senior club champion. She's awesome. Oh, yeah. She's great. Plays well. Well, I you got, played golf with her at the International. I did. Did she whip she, your ass? Yes, yes of course. Yes, of course she did. She's tremendous. And uh, her she's, twin sister is awesome. Yes. I ran into her on the, on the Shining Rock Golf Course, mm-hmm. Karen. Uh, but I didn't know did it was Karen. Did you hurt her? Well, no. I didn't know it was her. <laughs> no, I was, you said you ran into I her. I was going to play through. And I pull up, and I think it's Kathy ah. because they're identical twins. Oh, you, had never, you didn't know that there was an identical twin? I knew there was one, but I'd never met her or oh, seen I see. her. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. just automatically thought, this is Kathy. Right. And I said, hey. You grabbed her ass. She's like, you are? <laughs> you said homeless? <laughs> I said, and so I said, well, wait a minute. Hold on. I put it together because she's married to the golf pro. Sure. Uh, Lee, who's yeah. a great guy. So anyway, yeah, your your wife is a tremendous golfer. Mm. She has whatever swing thoughts she has are exactly yeah, on the money. It's sickening. It's really, sickening. Really, she weighs 100 and hits it two and never off the short grass. My only hope of beating her on a single hole is that she gets in a bunker. Yeah. She's not great out of sand. And when the ball is heading toward the bunker... I say, don't go in, don't go in, don't go in, but I'm like, go in, go in, go in, go in. Yeah, yeah. She's she's very very nice, and I did enjoy playing with her that day uh, uh, at the uh, Tame the Tigers. Tame the Tigers. By the way, look. Oh, look at that! You got the Tame the Tiger shirt on. See, I wore that in your honor. Yes, that's very nice. It's a very nice shirt. I've had it for like six years now, and it hasn't even worn through. Not even in the nipples, which is where I use it when I'm cold. Boy, there's holes in all my shirts. Um, So you and I have one thing in common, aside from the obvious, which is the broadcast careers. 
Uh, because, yeah, he may not even know this. I was a sports anchor, too. <laughs> yeah. Hartford. <laughs> yeah. I know that. Hartford, where they don't care if you have a face like this. I followed your career starting with you moving cameras around in the TV studio. Oh, at Necken. At Necken. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was a good gig. That's when you first came onto the, my radar. Yeah, I actually got paid for that gig, too. It was a good, it was a very good gig. Uh, shouldn't, shouldn't you start? I don't mean to tell you how to do your podcast. But this <laughs> is what broadcasters tend to do. It's never worked before. Shouldn't you start where we last ran? into each other? Price Chopper. Well, here's what happened. I walk into Price Chopper, and security is there, and they are surrounding what they think is a homeless man squatting in the deli center. Right. Mm. And I walk over, and he's looking for pickles, and what I he just kept saying, what aisle can I get a pickle? So I apparently you were that pickle before I buy it. Apparently you were stoned or hungry or both. Yeah, which sometimes they go hand and in hand. And security were just about to get you out of there, and yeah. I vouch for you, and I said, this is Mike. Right. And Adams. And, and I turn around, and what's Dino wearing after his v- very famous, you know, alcohol rehabilitation? He's got a, a shirt that says Beaver Liquors on it. <laughs> Aspen, Colorado. That's what it said. Yes. I Beaver Liquors. So, yeah, that was a price shopper, and I had my coupons. And oh, I was, you did? Uh, yeah. I was yeah. uh, going to try to help you out if you needed this, you know. <laughs> 49 cents off some buns or something. But, uh, yeah, so you – wait a minute. Here's the thing we have in common, more so than price job, mm. more so than golf, more so than a TV and radio slash career. Born in Pittsburgh. I didn't know you were born in Pittsburgh. 1954. I was born in Pittsburgh. My father was an FBI agent, and that's where he was stationed, and that's where I was born. I never went back. How <laughs> how have I not known this after all these years? Isn't that funny? You never mentioned this. I know, and I know. Do you recall what what specific location? In no, Pittsburgh? I was one. I was uh, I was a Catholic hospital. I know. Oh, it's probably like Forbes Field, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the Civic Arena, one yeah. of those places. The nuns were around me uh, uh, in the early days. So you never grew up there. Not since. No, they just popped you out yeah. there and scratched. My dad was there for two or three years yeah, in the FBI, yeah. and I was born, and Interesting. then they moved to Connecticut. How about Isn't that? that weird? Pittsburgh. Now, you went to, and I'm going to find out, I want to find out what happened between Pittsburgh when you were born yeah. and Kent State ah. when you went in 1970. I 70, think. yeah. Yeah. What was what was going on in between? Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. I was the uh, son of a bricklayer. My father, Alfred, was a bricklayer who then rose through the industrial construction business to become a superintendent for a company that would go into blast furnaces and steel mills and refurbish them. So as a result, from a very early age, I was working in Pittsburgh steel mills every summer, starting after my ninth grade year. So summer after ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, I was in the steel mill. So and you liked the movie Flashdance. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. I never saw Beale. So, um, and I really resented my father. We were just middle class. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. We were okay. But he insisted that I pay for my own college. Mm-hmm. And I'm working in the steel mill. And I resented the fact that he made me go in there the day after school was out. I'm in the steel mill. And I didn't stop working in the steel mill in the summer. All summer. All summer. While my buddies are bird-dogging broads and going swimming and playing golf, I'm in the steel mill. And the only way I could maintain my sanity was on a short-term basis till Friday and then get out of there. And my long-term sanity was wait till Labor Day and go back to school. And then it dawned on me, he was teaching me the best object lesson he possibly could, and that is find something you like to do. Do not allow yourself to be stuck in something you hate to do. Right. So I figured that out. It took me a couple of years to figure it out. But for that, I, I thank him a lot. So you didn't end up... Uh 
beating him with a piece of steel. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> After ruining every summer no, of your of your youth. Yeah. Oh, that's no. good to hear. So, so you were all right till you went to college. You were a near Pittsburgh. Guy. Yes, yes. And Suburb you, of Pittsburgh. Did you play sports other than golf uh, in college or in high in high school? Either. I played a little uh, football, but I stopped because I had a uh, back problem. I had a yellow streak down the middle of it, and I didn't want to get hit anymore. <laughs> so, so I played. Uh, little I've had basketball. those in my underpants. Yeah. <laughs> little, little basketball, little golf, but uh, n- nothing of any renown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you you went. Uh, I'm understanding now from reading your – I don't know if Wikipedia is ever accurate, but I read your Wikipedia page. Because even though I've known you for 20-something years, Mm. there's things I don't know about you. Uh, When you went to your first job out of uh, Kent State – yes. You were, you weren't there long, but you were you were in Boston at Channel Seven when you were twenty five. That's well, actually sooner than that, I think. What what happened was That's wicked young. Yeah, I, well, I went to Kent State, and, and fortunately, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to get in broadcasting. I thought I was going to be an on air news anchor. I hadn't considered sports, and I set up all my classes. I majored in telecommunications. I minored in journalism. I forced my way into the radio station my freshman year, which was not generally. Uh, allowed, but I just went and hung out, and the reason I got my I first locked break, myself in once I got in. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. In fact, I saw that, and and I got my mouth in front of a microphone and my face in front of a camera at Kent State, WKSU, uh, the TV station, as often as I possibly could for four full years. And what was nice about their department was WKSU television was broadcast on the cable into the communities of Kent and Ravenna. So it wasn't just a laboratory situation. We were responsible for three hours of programming every night from five to eight o'clock that at night. people actually saw. That people actually saw in, in the town of Kent, Ohio and Ravenna, Ohio, which right. is neighboring, and of course through all the dormitories. So you were doing real live television with real live pressure to, you know, perform and get the show on the air and get the show off the air. I mean, it was ugly from time to time. Of course. But nevertheless, you had that pressure of this is not a classroom. This is not some sort of, you know, uh, make-believe thing. It it is real. We're not playing TV and radio. We're actually doing it. So when I got out of Kent State, I had 500 hours on the radio. Wow. And and my uh, senior year, it is Christmas and I'm home with my family and I read in the paper that Rune Arledge is looking for a college-age announcer to roam the sidelines of NCAA ABC coverage of college football. And they said they're looking for a, a, a recent broadcasting graduate from college age to relate to you know the age group and so on and so forth and had to have this qualification and that qualifi- you know, qualification. And I'm reading this, and I'm saying, this is me. Yeah. This is my job. I got it. I mean, it's Christmas of my senior year. I'm, Did I'm you ready. have Rune's number? I, I, I found <laughs> Terry Jastro's number, um, <laughs> sent him a resume, sent him a tape, said, look no further. I'm your guy. I get a letter back when I'm back at Kent State in January that said, um, very interested in your resume, thought your tape was excellent. We would like to meet you. And I said to my then uh, fiancé, now my ex-wife, I said, we're going to ABC. I'm going to be working for the network. But for some odd reason, they want me to come to Columbus, Ohio to meet them. So she and I jump in the car uh, on the appointed day, and we drive to Columbus, Ohio, and there's an address at a building in a certain room, and we walk in. There are 2,000 people there. They all got letters, Open too. Open casting call. Well, it was by... Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. sort of. <laughs> 2, Only 2,000 people? I said, well, it's down to 2,000. So Terry Jastro and his wife, by the way, whose name is Ann Archer. Oh. I yeah. don't know if they're still together. Probably not. No, right. she's with Warren Beatty. What am I saying? Yeah, well, no. We, yeah, no. 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 Is that right? Long ago. No, she... No, no, no. That's not who's with Warren Beatty. That's... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 
Yes, it is. Oh, no, it's Annette Benning. Annette Benning. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Archer is yeah, very good. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right. I didn't know what was right. <laughs> I got it. I got it. And, and sorry. He's not even stoned over I know. Here. I know. Anyway, so uh, I come to find out that they were doing eight of these in every major collegiate center across the country, from Stanford to UCLA to, to Texas to Penn State <laughs> to Columbus, some you know all over the place. Wow! So they were looking at at well over twenty thousand people, and and I sat down for a couple minutes, and I guess whatever, and they called me and said, um, "We will." No, they didn't call me. They said, "We will call you." And I come to find out that they went from twenty thousand to ten thousand to five thousand to a thousand to a hundred to fifty to twenty to ten to five. And they called me finally and said, you're one of the final five. We'd like to fly you to New York City to meet with Rune Arledge and the producers of ABC College Football. Huge. And, and see, you know, what you got. And there were five of us. And, I, and one was named Don Tollefson, who is a Philadelphia sportscaster who got in some big trouble and is now in prison. Another was a kid from Harvard. <laughs> there was me. And the other one was Jim Lampley. Jim Lampley. I finished behind Jim Lampley. Lampley got the job, and for two years he roamed the sidelines of college football. Wow. Now here's the odd part. You know, he's. I met him in Vegas. He's kind of a douche. Yeah, he's kind of a douche. <laughs> but he, we were. I mean, we were. 20, but that's huge. Twenty two. Who's the bigger stoner, you or Lampley? I don't know. I think he did a lot of coke. Oh, I've heard legendary tales of him smoking massive amounts of pot. Really? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I'd probably yeah. like him. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it was a it was a very unusual experience. You went in to meet Rune, and it was the only thing that I could think of was Oz. There was this wall, floor to ceiling. Oh, first of all, corner office, glass, twenty feet tall, right. overlooking Manhattan. He's sitting corner up, office probably corner office. He's sitting up on a on a like a dais, and behind him, floor to ceiling, Emmys all over the place, and it's like I was in front of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. He says, welcome. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. What did you need, a brain or a heart? Uh, I need no. I had the brain. Uh, I, I needed a break, and I didn't get it. <laughs> courage. But, but you needed I courage. Needed courage. courage. Right. But what they did was they picked all of our brains. And one of the only questions I remember remember them asking me was, "If you got this job, what would you do?" And I said, "Well," and I thought about this, and I gave them like a five point plan of things I would do. I would interview the um, uh, winning leading coach at halftime on the way out, the losing coach on the way back. I would look for the quarterbacks. Family and mother and father in the stands. I would, you know, four or five different things. Yeah. And Bonafide TV, good ideas. Yeah, the usual, yeah, but it's cliche stuff now. But in 1974... You was, were 22. I was 22. You didn't even know what a cliche was No, yet. I know. Yeah, it was cutting-edge stuff. So I didn't get the job. Lampley did. And I tuned in to, to watch uh, football on, on ABC... And they're interviewing the losing coach on the way out, or the winning coach on the way out, the losing coach on the way in. The they're talking to the quarterback's there, right. mother, the whole thing. Said, ah, this is excellent. And you're thinking, this guy's a douche. Right. So as, an, as a result, <laughs> however, as a result, uh, I was then able to kind of put this into my resume about how far I'd gotten in the ABC talent search. And I started sending out letters of resume. And I sent them to two hundred different news directors from, you know, East Coast to West Coast, North and South. And I got 190 Eight no's. I got one from a douchebag in at King TV in Seattle who said, "How dare you think you can get out of college and come to work for me in Seattle in this big town? In, in this big town in this big market, go pay your dues. You know, calm yourself get down. Get back to me later. Get back to me in a couple of years, yeah. son. Yeah. And then one from a news director in Kansas City at WDAF, the NBC affiliate, named Ken Keller, and he said, "Love the tape." 
Very impressed. Don't have any openings, but stay in touch. That was his big mistake. Every Monday morning at 10 o'clock, I called Ken Keller. Hi, it's me again. Hi, it's me again. Hi, it's me. Went on for weeks and then months. I think he finally gave me the job because he was sick of me and wanted to shut me up. He so wanted they, to call the cops. <laughs> exactly. So they, they bring me to Kansas City where yeah. I was the youngest sports director in the history of NBC affiliates. And it was the absolute perfect place to begin your career because Kansas City had all four major sports, yep. but none of the mass holes uh, here or the people in Philadelphia who would kill you yeah, if right. you say something wrong on the air or do something you know really stupid. They're mellow, like St. Louis very almost. Mellow. Exactly. Same, yeah. um, very same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And they had all four sports teams, so I was got to cover the NHL. What was their team's name? Uh, the, uh, uh, the Kansas City. Kansas City uh, 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 Flar- uh, f- uh, I'll give you a hint. Their head coach was Bep Gwidlin, and Wilf Paymont was their Kansas big star. Kansas City uh, Labias? <laughs> Scouts. <laughs> the Kansas City Scouts. <laughs> I, I, I sticked her in the crease. Why? Why did you go there? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything but labials. <laughs> I was. What about the basketball team? The Kansas City? Omaha Kings. Kansas City Omaha Kings. Tiny Archibald, Sam Lacey. That's right. Yeah. And they had the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Royals and the Chiefs, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. So I got <laughs> to cover all four major start, sports though, you know. with with a safety net of it being in a nice town like Kansas City. Right. And they I probably was, didn't even have a Jim Craig or John uh, Jim Craig or a uh, 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 who's the fat guy that was the uh, media critic on the Herald? Oh, Jack Jim, Jack Craig and Jim Baker. Jim Baker. They didn't have one of those. No. So you didn't even have to worry about you. you, you if you were still honing your performance, correct, at that exactly, point in time. and it was the perfect place to do it. But you weren't there long. I mean, no, you were in Boston I was in no time, two and a half years, and and I realized I had sort of done everything I could do at Kansas City. Now I was doing the five in Kansas City. Believe it or not, you're doing the five and the ten o'clock news instead of the six and the eleven. Wow, in the old days there, so Jeez. five and ten, and um, so I started sending out letters again, and I, now I'm targeting bigger markets, and. I wrote a bunch of stuff, and a guy from from Boston at WNEV. No, it was WNAC in those days. Channel 7. WNAC? Channel 7. Dick Graff brought me to um, Boston for a tryout, audition, sat down. Disco era. I mean, it was like. Yes. This is. uh... But here's the the coolest part of this story. I'm there for like a day and a half. I couldn't understand a thing the cabbie was saying because he has a Boston accent. It wasn't Nigerian or Ethiopian or anything else. It was a Boston accent. And uh, (laughs) so he takes me to government center. I go in, do this interview, the whole thing, the interview, stay overnight, talk to him the next day, blah, 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 blah. And I get, and he said, okay, good. I'll let you know. Get back in the cab, head to Logan Airport. I had two hours to kill to my plane, sit down in uh, at a bar at Logan Airport. And who is sitting next to me? Ray Walston. The, my favorite my Martian. Favorite Martian. He, he was there? <laughs> sat there for an hour and a half. I, and I'm telling him my story. He's oh, it's great. good luck. He's let me buy you a drink. And we sat with Jeez. my favorite Martian hey, Walson. for well, 90 I, minutes. I didn't know he had red hair until I saw his picture on the cover of TV Guy because I had a black and white TV. But did he give you any good Bill Bixby stories? Uh, we talked about everything. Yeah, yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was awesome. That's so random. I know. How, very random. So I got the job and I came here. And I was the weekend guy. Bob Gamir was the Monday through Friday guy. Yes. And Roy Reese was our reporter. Whatever happened to Bob Gamir? <laughs> Who's your competition at the time? So this is the late 70s. Who's your competition on what's oh, it's, now? Oh, it was Lynch and Lobel. It was Lynch, Lynch Lobel and done. Dennis forever. Throughout. Throughout, yeah. Throughout the whole thing. Absolutely. Now, you, you went to radio. I'm, I'm going to say exactly when you went to radio because, believe it or not, uh, I was going to be the third person on that show. Yes. It, Jason, uh, you know, it ended up being Meter, of course, and it was great, and I love Meter. But I, I was going to New York. 
I had a job offer in New York, mm. and I was working with the radio bitch, a chick, because uh, I, I hated her so much. And I worked there, and I, and I blew being on your show no. and a morning show for years if I had just played my cards right. But instead, I went to New York and got totally fucked. So you heismaned uh, Wolfie? <laughs> You gave him the stiff arm and said, no, I'm going well, to New York? I had already agreed to the, oh, to the New York already, job. Signed and he up. said, that's too bad because we finally have a job for you. Because at the time, I didn't have a full time. How much did you miss it by? A, like a, a, a couple of weeks. Oh, you know, and, Mikey. And it became Meter. But you know what? God bless him. Meter was great. Yeah. It was, and it was, I thought when you, Meter, Chach, you know, Callahan right. in your prime, I thought it was the best. I listened every single day. It was a good show. We had a great time. We really did. There was absolutely nothing that made me want to listen to anybody else mm. because I was listening to sports stuff. It was entertaining. It was, you know, I thought that was the, the, the golden era, don't yeah. you? It was It was so much fun. And, and you know, people say, well, what do you think about your career? I look back, and, and it was great. And keep in mind, it, it coincided with all this great stuff that we're watching, right. you know, on the field and on the ice and on the court. I mean, these were the halcyon days big of, of numbers, Boston sports. Too. You guys had huge numbers. In yeah, we did okay. We did Okay, and it was and it was you great fun. Dimas yep. out and, yep. and took his place and racked the numbers up Thank for God. years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a very impressive run. It was very fun. Um, let me just throw a couple. Of, let me do this. This is fun because Dino's good with this shit. It's not word association, but I'm going to throw a name at you, and you just I'm going to let it bounce off. You give me give me some thoughts okay. on that person. All right, first let's start with the program directors. Jason Wolf. I love Jason. Jason had my back from the beginning. He was the guy that spotted me and said, you know what? Jerry and John together would be good. Uh, Jason and I have worked on some other stuff since there. I have nothing but great things to say about Jason Wolf. He treated me with respect and dignity. And when I hit a couple of skids here and there, he was there for me all the time. Love Jason. Five stars. I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I just talked to him the other day, and I had my skids at that station, too. In fact, I got him tacked to my wall now. <laughs> this kid. All right, all right. Let's move on to Kevin Graham. Um, really nice guy. In over his head, he was. He was terrified. He was terrified of looking at you cross-eyed. Yes, and criticizing or looking you, at you at all, or looking at you at all, and telling you, "Listen, I don't like this. I don't like this. Do this. Do that." He was not cut out for the job. Right. Too nice of a guy. He may have been a nice guy. I never got to know him that well. I, I think he was a pussy. Uh, completely. Yeah. You know, I think he was such a spineless pussy. And when I, when I got bounced out of there, finally, he didn't have the guts to come say, okay, well, thanks for working here. And yeah. Goodbye. Didn't even show. Oh, see, no. I understand that because if, yeah. if you were looking for him to help you out and stand up and, and, no. and walk into the boss's office. Nutless. Nutless. He wouldn't do it. But if, if you were, you know, Jerry or me or somebody else and you weren't asking him to do anything for you. Yeah. Then but he, he was, was nice. Like, hey, it's okay. Yeah, then yeah. he was nice to you. Yeah. I even sent him a goddamn coffee cake and he, he still wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> He's still a pussy. I don't care. You know what? In fact, I'm going to tweet this. When this episode comes out, I'm going to tweet this to him. I'm going to say, Kevin, listen at about 18 minutes in where I call you a fucking pussy. Um, Joe Zarbano. Uh, I, Do you even know who he is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no problem with Joe. You see, here's part of the thing. You're, there are going to be very few people you mentioned that I'm going to rail on because my whole life, we'll, we'll, my we'll whole, get there. My yeah. whole, yeah, my whole broadcasting life is in my rear view mirror right. or my side view mirrors, and I've moved past it, and I'm so happy. Well, that's good too. Thank God I'm healthy, and any stuff, any any angst I needed to get out is yeah. a long time ago. But Joey was never my boss, really. No, and and Joey was just sort of kind of like a producer hanging around guy that you know that Joey, okay. yeah. yeah, Joey. I mean, he Joey. was. My, I brought him in. He was my intern, yeah. and then he was my intern again after he after he uh, departed. And went to California, came back. I let him be the intern again. Then he was a, like a, a producer of the show, right? Um, and, and I don't, I don't hate his guts. Um, I have maybe less respect than I used to have for him because mm. I watched him absolutely 
sucking up to uh, uh, Brown. What was the Brown's? Uh, oh, J- Jeff. Uh, J- uh, Jeff Scott? Brown. No, Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown. Right. He had his nose oh, yeah. so uh, embedded in the Grundle package of uh, of Jeff Brown. That was, was a bad, bad guy, by the way. Uh, oh, I, Jeff Brown. Terrible. A horrible human being. And Joey kissed his ass for like well, the whole. He's, he's trying time. to be upwardly mobile, I, and I understand. In the and job again, market, I don't hate Joey. I understand that's that's how he got where he's where he's get where he was getting, mm-hmm. but. I, I lost a little respect for him there because everybody hated Jeff Brown. He sucked. And Joey was just, you know, pulling out his chairs for him. Yeah. You know, and yeah. saying, here here you go, Jeff. Here's a chair for you. You know, shit like that. I don't like that. Trying to be PD. <laughs> right? And he did. And he did. You said Jeff Brown's a bad, bad guy. Why? Um, I mean, we know. We were there. Yeah. Um, he he batted his job. He was a bottom-line guy. He cared nothing or knew nothing about content and what worked in Boston. He was a guy from somewhere else who thought he was going to come here and apply whatever he thought worked in. Where the hell was he before this? Oregon? I was going to say Seattle. He might have been with that asshole at King TV that told me, don't ever write to me again. <laughs> Probably Probably was. with him. Oh, my God. He but was what the works worst. in Seattle or wor- works in anywhere else doesn't work here. No. Mike it Salk. doesn't. Mike, well, there you go. Perfect example, Ben. Perfect you know, example. On, on Jeff Brown, we heard uh, that, he was, that he'd been fired, and he's walking out of the building there at 20 Guest Street. And I was coming in from a show at 5 o'clock. Yeah. He's leaving for the day, and Joey, of course, is carrying all this stuff. <laughs> and I said, I said, Jeff Brown, I see him. He waves. He comes over. He goes, he puts out his hand. He, he did. Nothing for me yeah. at all. He puts out his hand. He goes, oh, always be yourself. And I said, you too, at any cost. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was heavy. That was great. That was heavy. I, I had to get that off my chest yeah. with him. But, uh, he was bad. Now, Phil Zachary came and replaced him. What yeah. do you think of Phil? Well, he was a sales guy. But they all are. You know? They're the pat you on the back. You know, look you in the eye. Smile at right. you. And if they needed to, just sh- put the shit yeah. right between your the shoulder backstab- blades. The, the, song, the backstabbers by the OJs. The OJs. Yes. You're good. Uh, I'm not. I'm not Mikey good, but I'm okay. I'm going to say about Phil Zachary that I really got along great with him while he was there. Uh, but then in the end, he turned out to be kind of like Kevin Graham, a pussy. Hmm. You know, I, that's the only thing that really bothered me was in the end he had no nuts either. Yeah. You know, so that was too bad. But what was too bad in my view too was was what happened when Kirk came along, because you and Callahan had a great show for a long, long time, and to me it seemed in it automatically. Apparent that that Kirk was trying to push you out. Well, not at first. I, I think what happened was I was at the end of my career. I had made it known that this last three-year contract that I had signed was going to be my last contract. And you're going to retire. And I was re- retire. So I had a little more than a year to go, and at the same at the same time that was happening, Kirk comes in and he's trying to find out, you know, who he was going to be what his radio personality was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was trying to find his way in terms of you know, what he wanted to do, how he wanted to accomplish whatever the rest of his career was going to be. So he's at the very beginning, and I'm at the very end. And what he wanted to do and what I wanted to do were two different things. You and mean you didn't want to take over the entire world? <laughs> well, I, I, here were, my first sign was he didn't want to do just normal, run-of-the-mill sports talk. Right. And as evidenced by... His, um, what's the little character's name? Uh, Sporty McKenzie. Sporty McKenzie. Right, right. So he used Sporty McKenzie to make fun of everybody who just did sports talk. Right. And he didn't want to, you know, talk to necessarily, you know, the manager or the coach yeah. or the player Don or Sweeney. whatever else. Don, none of that stuff. Didn't right. want to do any of that. Right. And, that, and that's fine. But somehow, some way, it sort of disintegrated where he wasn't happy with me and I wasn't happy with him. Mm-hmm. And for the last, I would say, probably close to a year, probably six, seven months anyway, there was such friction, such chill in the studio, 
that when the microphones went off and the red light went out, none of us talked to the other one. No conversation. Well, no, I'm sh- I shouldn't say that. Nobody talked to me. I didn't talk to anybody. Jerry and Kirk talked to each other, I see. which, again, is fine. Right. But here's my I, – I have no problem with Kirk. Kirk has found his way. I think he's happy doing what he's doing now. He's doing mm-hmm. exactly what he probably should be doing now. And sports radio is not what he wanted. No, but you Nor- know what, though? He acts as though he built that morning show or created it when it was long – 15 years before he got there. It was very successful. Well, the show. numbers, the numbers his- went up dramatically when he came in. He, I, I have to give him credit for that. He, th- there was a jolt there because of his shock value. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. But it, he, I don't think you can say, okay, I, I jumped aboard a very successful, well-known, nationally and locally uh, sports talk radio show and, and made that all happen myself. Well, what I would say is he jumped aboard a successful radio talk show, sports show, and wanted to steer it in a different direction. Right. And right. and with a year to go on my contract or less, I didn't necessarily want to do that. I'm an old dog. I don't want to learn a new trick after 39 and a half years in, in Boston. So here's my problem. I have no problem with Kirk. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is with disloyal, backstabbing Jerry Callahan. There you go. Pause for effect. <laughs> then, huh? Don't forget good? to talk to the quarterback's family. Exactly. <laughs> Because had it been me, I would have come to both of these two knuckleheads, Dennis and Minahan, and said, listen, Dino's got nine months to go here. Can we just play nice? For nine months. For nine months. Right. He'll, he'll, he'll finish his contract and go, then we'll do whatever we want and to do. And let this be a graceful for everybody exactly. situation. And yeah. he did not do that. He chose to hitch his wagon to, to Kirk and, and stick his tongue up Kirk's ass. Because he knew he wanted another three-year contract after this. I was right. not going to be a part of that. I couldn't help him acquire that. Right. But Kirk could. So he felt, much like Joey Zarbano with Jeff Brown, <laughs> I've got to put my tongue up his rectum, damn near killed him, and, and, and crap all over Dino in the process. Now, here's, the, here's the, 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 the real irony of that. Back in 2007 when Jerry had throat cancer, and I don't believe I've ever told this story to anybody but my wife and a few other people. Let's, um, let's hear it. Jerry had throat cancer in 2007, was out for a, the summer, spring and summer, for five or six months, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was co-host du jour, which is very difficult, you know. Sure. Different guy every day. Well, different you know, rhythm yeah, every different day. Different rhythm, the whole thing, there's no yeah. whatever. And well, that's so why. it's still better than working with mud. <laughs> It's always got to be yeah. one shot. But, but if you put papers in the corner and you spank them with a newspaper on the nose, he'll go over there and pee. <laughs> Mutt will. I don't know. I've no? had bad, bad no. experience with monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> they throw their shit at me. They do. Sometimes on the air. They do. They do. Uh, anyway, so in 2007, Jerry was out for four, five, or six months with, with throat cancer. This is when Dennis and Callahan were at the height of our earning power. But it's also when the radio business in Boston was beginning to change and all these huge salaries were starting to come down. Yeah. Because there were so many other entities and so many other, um, you know, platforms mm-hmm. that people were investigating and looking into and all that sort of stuff. So it was very clear to us that we were not going to make that kind of money anymore. The big number. The big number. And um, <laughs> they came to me when Jerry was away uh, and out and said, listen, we would like to sign you to a new contract. And we'd like to give you a 10% raise. <laughs> I said, what? Are you shitting me? What's the catch? And they said, well. you got to work with Minahan. No, you, no. No. We, we want to let Jerry go at the end of this contract and put you with someone much less expensive. So we'll make up the difference of what 
you know, Jerry was making and what you're making and the 10% on top of what we're going to pay you now. Wow. With somebody like a mutt. I had no idea. I was never given a name. <laughs> but somebody making, Jeez, you know, minimum wage. That could have ruined it. And you've got to, and you've got to sign off. Yeah. On on working with this other guy, mm-hmm. and you can have ten percent more. And I said that is a rotten goddamn thing to do. I said, "Are you kidding me? He is fighting for his life with throat cancer, and you're doing that." I said, "Tell you what, Julie, either <laughs> sign us both, or get rid of us both." And they signed us both. Wow. Yeah. Because get rid of you both, you could have gone anywhere as a package. Correct. Uh, yes. Yeah. So you knew that. Now, one more part of the story. When I went away in 2014 for alcohol rehab, Mm -hmm. 30 days in the middle of nowhere, um, I was told when I came back that there was a meeting between Phil Zachary and Jerry Callahan was there. And Callahan said, in the 30 days I was away, do you think we could let him go and have Ordway be the co-host of the morning show with me? So while I am out struggling for my life, trying to get my alcohol issues squared away. That's where the Ordway rumor came from. That's correct. Jerry wanted me out and Ordway in while I'm in alcohol rehab. That's why he's a disloyal backstabber. There you go. That's John Dennis, everybody. And he, he, he knows, he's the only person who knows that story until now. <laughs> until now. Um, well, that's interesting stuff and inside radio stuff as we go. The, the, I think the biggest problem I had with Kirk is that he seems to celebrate destruction of other people's either career or image or whatever, and he dances on the graves of the people. And I, and I know that the, the Kevin Cullen thing and all that stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. that's all legit investigative journalism, exposing someone who might be a fraud and so on. But it seems to me like Kirk really enjoyed uh, being successful in... At other people's expense? Exactly. Yeah, but it's... It, it, boy, I sure don't he's wanna, psycho. I, I sure don't want to sit here and, and, and defend, or um, it's not my job to, and I, nor would he probably want me to. But he was looking to do something different than the run-of-the-mill kind of stuff, you yeah. know? Oh, still and, is. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and but does he have to be such a dick? Yeah, that's part of the stick. Shtick. But I think even when he's not being a dick on the air, he, I think he's a dick. Uh, no, I, I, have you ever seen him be nice to people? Yeah, yeah off the air, okay. sure. All right, I yeah. haven't, so yeah. I'd like to see that someday. Maybe I should go over to his house, have lunch with him, see what's up. Hey, uh, I'm going to throw some names at you. Sure. Chach. <laughs> Chach, take the air hose out of your ass. <laughs> What's Chach put on? 40? 50? I love Chach. I, 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 I kid because I hair. love you, Chach. <laughs> Chach was great. It was Chach was one of the easiest going producers of all time. I loved him too. It took a lot to push Chach over the edge. Yep. But we tried. He's a good man. Good man. Meter. Oh, I love Meter. Meter, Meter was out of my house in Florida this past winter. He was. Smoked cigars and told old he's war stories. He's put on a few pounds too. Yes, too. And he's gray. God. Yeah. Now, how about your whole? Because you're, you're not your whole. Yeah, how's, whole. how's your whole? How's your whole John? family? Your whole political. How's your whole family? <laughs> you know, I get, speaking of that, I got to have a colonoscopy Monday. You know, you really better knock me out good to have some guy probing my ass like three finger brown. <laughs> you know. Hey, but you're going to lose ten pounds. Uh, that's the good. You're going to lose ten pounds, baby. Yeah. 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 I, and I'll wake up and he go, everything went well. I'm your doctor, Albert Pujols. <laughs> How are you, Albert? Um, oh, by the way, I went in for a, what is it when they look down your throat thing? That's not a colonoscopy. No, I know, I know. But I, but it, whatever the, uh, what's that called, Billy? Tracheotomy? Tracheotomy? No, it's tracheotomy when they cut you. Yeah. Well, oh. whatever. They were going to look down in the uh, throat and stuff. Yeah. And the colonoscopy on the same day. And I said, please make sure you get the, the right instruments for the right place. Did they meet I don't want the, somebody else's did colonoscopy. They, did they meet in the middle? Tool going. <laughs> I think they did them separately. Meet you at the naval base. Yeah. That's, see, I don't want any part of this shit. And no. I, I put it off for seven years. 
Uh, you know, because you got to take that stuff. You got to drink that stuff. Oh, and then yeah. You implode. You need to do some spin. Paint. No, you don't implode. You explode. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And then you got to paint your bathroom tan again. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Your, your political. Now, I know you're a Republican. I'm a, I'm a centrist libertarian. Mm-hmm. Ben's a liberal. Nah, no, I'm in the middle somewhere. Yeah, you're in the middle. He's kind of centrist. Smitty, I don't know. He's from France. Uh, but you're 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 very vocal with yes. your with your Republican positions. Yeah. And b- by the way, the way you argue them on Twitter, it it's very effective because you know you're you're glib and well, you use the right words, you're mm-hmm. concise. But I like your tweets. But I, uh, you must get a lot of shit though from people. Well, yeah, but I can give it back pretty well. Yeah, and and I generally can bludgeon somebody into silence. But the greatest invention on Twitter, once you're done with some dummy who keeps saying, yeah, but, but what about Bush? Huh? What about Bush? Huh? So are uh, you. Uh, yeah, your mother. Right. Mute button. Greatest thing in the world. What's nice about it. Oh, so for, you first, do use that. I never block anybody. Okay. You know why? Because they take a screenshot and say, oh, John Dennis blocked me. I got to him. Ah, I got yeah. to him. I mute them, and they just keep howling at the wind, thinking that I'm listening to them or that I'm somehow seeing their tweets, and I am not. By the way, did you see my banner headline? Speaking of people who put up things when they're blocked, you see my banner headline on my Twitter account? No. Bill Cosby blocked me. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a feather in anybody's That's cap. That's got to be what worth What about OJ? Did you get OJ yet? I didn't. Oh, I should. No. That's next. That is next. That's got to be worth a free pudding pop. You yeah. know, the uh, the OJ thing, blocking him, he, he's unbelievable. He wrote, uh, you know, I hope you all had a good weekend. Oh, my God. And I, I, saw and that. I tweeted back. Yeah, especially the Goldman and Brown families. family. Yeah, you know, because he's he's unbelievable. He, that he's out there doing that. Uh, he is, he, when when I first heard that he was, I said, "Is he so unaware of the landscape of Twitter? Does he have any idea what's going to happen to him?" I mean, you talk about thin. If he's not thin, <laughs> thin skinned. But what if he? What if he does something worse than block you? For instance. Oh, like cut your head off. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's another step beyond mute and block. God, it's kill. It's ki- cut kill. the head off. Right. Yeah. Cut the head off the person. Um, God, that's a that's that's an, Twitter is is without question the most venomous and nasty oh, yes. medium there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a free right. it's a free for all. Right. It's like the wild west, and anybody can say anything to anybody at any time, and seemingly without any ramifications. To your original point, I I really am fascinated by the political kind of spectrum, and we are in such a a volatile, insane time. It is in, it in, is. in our country. I mean, you you look at Ilhan, uh, uh, Omar Ilhan, and you look at other people who are uh, in Congress and trying to change our way of life, and you say, tell me again how long it was ago that planes flew into the buildings and we said we will never forget. Right. And now we are kissing people's ass and, 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 and signing them in, swearing them in on the Koran, and having them tell us we are going to do uh, uh, morning salat, which are morning prayers yeah, in yeah. Islam, in, 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 in government buildings. It was 18 years ago, but we're still hearing about the people that died or the dying of cancer That's from, right. from That's right. being first, first responders, responders right. to that. So anyway, the, the political thing started to fascinate me. I got involved in Jeff Deal's campaign against right. uh, running for uh, Senate against uh, Elizabeth Warren. Seems like a nice guy. Great guy. Great guy. We, I'll tell you what, Massachusetts, you absolutely blew it. Uh, Jeff, for 17 months, told you she did not want this job. She wanted to run for president. She would have, speaking of rearview mirror, Massachusetts was going to be in her rearview mirror the morning after she won the election. Right. And, and I mean, it was a uphill climb with in, in Massachusetts with Jeff. Great it's guy. It's a one-party state. He would have been a wonderful senator to have in, in Massachusetts, I'm sorry, in Washington, representing Massachusetts and providing a little bit of balance. Didn't work out. That's fine. My next, I'm going to make a prediction right now. I'm going to tell you right now who the 46th president 
of the United States is going to be. Okay. The 45th will be Donald Trump in a second term. Okay. Now the Republicans have to find somebody because I think even Trump doesn't have the balls to say, I'm sticking around for a third term. <laughs> John James. Write it down. John James. I want to get on John James. I'm already in touch with his campaign. I would like to help John James in any way I possibly where's can. He, where's he He's, at? A, he's a, a, a um, uh, helicopter pilot, decorated uh, Afghanistan, special forces, uh, African-American in Michigan. He is uh, oh, wait, a, a I think very I've... successful business owner. Right. He is a, a, a conservative, and he ran against – it was very similar to Deal versus Warren in Michigan for the, for the Senate job against an old established woman who had had four or five terms. Yeah. Lost to her. He's running again in these midterms. Mm-hmm. He's coming, he'll be coming up again, and that will then give him four years of Senate experience. He's going to win in Michigan. He'll be the senator in Michigan. John James. John you know what? James. Does Vegas have any odds on this right now? I would jump on it, baby. You know, Elizabeth Warren, she's kind of uh, – she reminds me of, like, some teacher I had that I didn't like too much back in sixth grade or something like that. But I understand that, you know, never mind. She says you want to grab a beer. That thing she Oh, said. my – upside down with the hand. I hear she d- – Absolutely, and this is a, I heard this from a good source, drinks only tea all the time, and that there's a good chance someday that they'll find her lying dead in her teepee. <laughs> hey! Oh, boy. All right, now, John Dennis likes music. We have a little thing we do, we, we're putting together here. Yes. You, you brought two, I brought two. Well, see, ben is the judge. Oh, excellent. All That's right, good. Fantastic. I was wondering how we're going to determine this. Yeah. One of your tremendous skill sets, unless you've listened to Planet Mikey over the years, <laughs> is your voluminous knowledge. There's John James right there. What Your voluminous knowledge. Oh, I'm sorry. Our listeners couldn't see that. I'm sorry. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there he is. Um, U.S. Senate. Your ability not just to know all these songs and just just... Encyclopedic. I, I know every song. How is that? Uh, every song from 64 to 84. You're a savant. And I can sing them all. I won't, yeah. but I can yeah. uh, sing them all. And I also uh, you know, know the intro time you know, to talk it up to the post. Wow. I know the length of the song. I know what year it was made. And I usually knew, knew uh, what kind of weed the drummer smoked. So you are, <laughs> so you are like Charlie Babbitt. I can drop all the matches on the table, and you can look at it and say ten thousand song that was yeah, yeah. a hit. And no, I, and I know, I'll, and I'll tell I know. You I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. So want... I challenge you for tonight <laughs> to come up with the worst two two songs in history that were hits. Yes, they have to be hits. Otherwise, yeah, to, we wouldn't know them. Right. Uh, and, and can I tell Bill which one I want to play first? Because yeah. I want to save my. You go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. the guest here. The the I want to save I want to save the individual artist okay. for second, right. and the group. First. Would be my first one. All right. This is John, John Dennis's Dino's first selection as the worst, crappiest piece of shit song yeah, yeah, yeah. ever. Ready? Now, this is not the entire song. No, know. I couldn't stand the entire well, song. Thanks very much. I'll Please. identify this song. Yeah, you will. In 10 I seconds. started playing the whole thing and I got sick. Oh, it's sickening. Uh, the the men, in, men Without Hats. Correct? Right? Yep. Name uh, of song. The, the something dance. Uh, the. Uh, hold on. Men without hats. Why are you playing you can the dance intro? if you Let's want get to the bad stuff? Here we go. <laughs> oh, the the uh, the the pussy dance. They're nope. spelling it for you. <laughs> I fucking hate this song. <laughs> I'm gonna dance if I want to. <laughs> safety dance. The safety dance. Listen to this. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Oh my God. Because your friends don't. And, and they don't dance, and there ain't no friend of mine. You know, okay, that's enough. The safety that's dance, awful, isn't it? The, the thing they recorded the safety dance, and they all had, were wearing rubbers. 
That's the story behind that. Uh, behind that. Casey Kasem, American Top 40. All right, so Here's throw your... a song by a pole vaulter who got the pole stuck up his ass. <laughs> it was the number one hit in 1966. Um, so how are we doing this? So now you're going to present one? Yeah, and then so, Ben, yeah, I, which is worse? I'm, I'm familiar with the safety dance, so I, no, okay, yeah. I, I know how bad that it's one awful. is. He's going to pick the worst of all. I'm going to the 70s for mine. You ready? Ugh. Oh. Piece of shit. Why <laughs> you? <laughs> My trusted friend, yeah. Terry Jacks. We've known each other since we were nine. Seasons in the sun. Together Piece of shit. <laughs> but Learned it's a little bit catchy. Yeah, kind of like Darius. I ain't catching what it's throwing let's down. Get to the, let's get to the chorus here. Right. It's just kind of catchy. Okay, we're going to sing it together. Uh, let me blow my nose. Betty? And I found that pubic hair. <laughs> Here it comes. It was laying on the stair. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons. What a piece okay. of shit. Oh, God. Oh, All right. God. Okay. Now it's John's turn. Oh, you know. my God. What do you got? <laughs> are, are we going one versus one? Like, which song of oh, those two I were thought worse? we do all four. I, not my place. What are the rules are? The safety dance is worse. Yeah, safety it, dance is worse. Uh, worse than Seasons yeah. in the Sun? See, John, John's right. There is a catchiness to it yeah. that if it comes on, it hits it at the right time. Right. You're kind of like, right. Yeah, there, there are bad songs that you can... Oh, the Pina right. Colada song is a great example. Piece Horrible. of shit. Piece of shit. Right. But it comes on, and if you're it's in the right fun. mood, and it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's like, oh, I haven't heard this but, stupid thing for 10 years. Like all novelty records, it's funny once, maybe twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After you get to 10 times, right. oh, wait, it's my wife sending me a, a, a... She likes to be caught in the rain, too. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Rupert Holmes. <laughs> Rupert Holmes. What's he doing now? He's probably, you know, in his fetal position in the shower, rubbing his grundle, going... <laughs> Remember when it had to hit? Anyway, uh, n- the <laughs> so uh, so John won, Mikey zero, one nothing. Dino. Okay, all, all right, right, here we go. So now Dino's second Round entry. Two. This is this is worse than the safety dance. <laughs> How could that be? Oh, you at least you picked the English version. Oh, God, tell me, ninety nine Luft balloons. That's the German version. Yeah, yeah. But am I wrong? Oh, to him. 99 red balloons, 99 loft balloons. Yeah. Who yeah. sings it? Uh, what, it's a one-word name. Of yes, it is. Her name is uh, Henri. Nina. No, no. It, it, who is Very it? good. Nina. Nina. What did I say, Henri? You said Henri. Henri. It's a little off. <laughs> I, I fucking hate it's this awful. song, too. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> oh, my. 99. What's a loft balloon? I don't know. How about shove the loft balloon up your ass? <laughs> it's a red Nina. balloon. That's why it's um, called 99 Red Balloons in English. Can't you see we're busy over here? <laughs> All right, here's my second and crappy song. Okay. You're never going to know who did this. Who's singing this? I don't think I recognize this. I don't know this at all. Hang on, hang on. The song is called Let Her In. Gonna let her in. Oh, isn't it like a uh, an actor who just is is yes a, an actor who got into music? Yes, yes, yes. Um, in my okay, uh, I, I met this guy too. I met him at the uh, Wei Luxury Box. John Travolta. That's Travolta. Let her in. 
Really? Piece of it. shit! I've never heard this song, I don't think. Gonna let her in, oh yeah! Was his boyfriend named her? That's worse, that's worse. That's At bad. least with 99 Red Balloons, there's a Captain Kirk reference in it. That saves it a little bit. That was the, one of the worst piles of shit I ever heard, Mike. As much as I hate 99 Left Balloons, and I do, it's not nearly as fucking bad. <laughs> that is really <laughs> bad. Better in by it's John Travolta. Wow. So this is a draw. 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah. So we'll have, to ha- we'll have to have a rematch. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Before we let John Dennis go, and thank you for being here. My pleasure. It's been great. Great to catch up with you and Ben and Bill. The uh, I want to ask this question of you because you've had a, you had a long career. And I was I got in radio actually before you got out of college, seventy three. Mm. But I did I skipped college, as you can tell by like dialogue. Um, I, uh, I I'm forty five years in radio, and and it's a long long time. A lot happens, but if you could right now sit down and jot a quick letter to your younger self, what would be the main point of advice you would give yourself? Uh, it's a tough question. Yeah yeah yeah. Well, see. <clears throat> I'm not digressing here, but there were two very separate entities, television and, and radio, and I know they sound very similar. But given enough uh, bananas, you could train a chimpanzee to read scores with teleprompter. Mutt, mutt, uh, can, <laughs> well, exactly. Scores, so, yeah, exactly. Talk radio is, is much more difficult because you have to come up with an argument, come up with a discussion, have some ideas. Pay attention longer. Pay attention longer, yeah. defend what it is you're saying, have a conversation, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So talk radio takes a lot more skill and skill sets than being a sports anchor I agree. On, on, on Channel 7. Um, you're almost asking me what I would change about yeah. you know, what it is I did. Or what help you'd give yourself. I would, I would have gotten sober a lot sooner. That's, that would be it. Be, you know, be careful of that sort of stuff. It's been five years now I've been sober, and I've, you know, to be quite honest, there have been several little, you know, fall-offs. Yeah. But they only lasted a day, and I learned from them. But by and large, for five years, I figured it out. And life is so much better alcohol-free. Um, you, you, you wake up, and you remember everything you said. You remember. You, you, I used to go and check and see what I tweeted. Just because That's you didn't scary. remember. Absolutely. Wow, yeah. I mean, uh, Just make sure you didn't leave the cap sock on again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that too. But, but uh, you know, when I was in rehab, they talked about blackouts. And blackouts aren't when you pass out and fall in bed and you pass out. Right. Blackouts are when you don't have any memory of anything you've done. Right. And there were a number of Saturday or Sunday mornings where I'd get up in the morning and I'd look at Kathy and, and I'd say, you know, like, what times, are, are we playing golf today or whatever? Mm-hmm. And she would give me this look like, what a jerk. And I said, we talked about that last night, right? She right. said, for about 20 minutes we did. <laughs> right. So I was a very high-functioning alcoholic. And it was, it was generally, you know, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays and the weekends. The mm-hmm. older I got, the more difficult it was to recover from Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it would take the Monday and Tuesday. And it just felt like crap. But beyond that, it was, it's, it's just, you know, life's better. It's so much more enriching. It's, yeah. there, there's, there's so much more. And you to... remember it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So my letter to myself would be, you know, if you can do it, in moderation and, and, and not have it affect who you are and what you are and how you act, yep. then go ahead. Yeah, but when it. it starts being something that you look forward to, that you, for instance, here's a great example. When I would drink, even though I was, you know, pretty wasted, I would always leave about an inch and a half of Tito. Tito, Tito and I went steady for a long time. <laughs> we were good buds. Yeah. But I would leave an inch and a half of Tito's in the bottle, no matter how much I wanted it before I went to bed at night, because I knew the next morning, 
I'm going to have a little bit of shake going yeah, on. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little, little something, something. Need a little hair of the dog, and I would leave one for me so I could get up in the See, morning. So you weren't to, you, you weren't completely out of it to the point where you didn't know what what your habits. I, I knew that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that would be it. You know, it's funny because if I had to write myself a letter, my younger self, it would really be so simple. I would say, don't do cocaine and stay away from the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and chandelier sex. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's really pretty simple because otherwise I, I'd be fine. And I would t- tell the same thing to young Ben over here. Yes. She's got a long way to go. Dino, great to see you. Great to see you, Michael. Thanks for coming on a My Planet pleasure. Mikey podcast. <laughs> <laughs>